Hey friends, thank you for inviting us into your space today. Uh, we have a lot of different things going on at Christ Community and we'd love for you to explore the different ways you can connect. Head on over to our website and check out our coming up page to see the different things going on. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe so you can see whenever we have new content available. All right, Great. enjoy the message. Amen. Well, church, it is so good to see you all tonight. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat if you guys want. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. And I work in our kind of outreach world, so stuff we're doing locally, stuff we're doing globally. And I'm also on the teaching team. Uh, it's been probably a few months since you guys have seen me up here. I've had a few other things I've had to work on, but I'm back and I'm excited. So uh, last week, we began a new series here at Christ Community. It's a five-week series, and it is called Sent. And in this series, over the course of those five weeks, what we're doing is we're unpacking this short but significant thing that Jesus said to his disciples when they first encountered him after the resurrection. It comes from John 20, 21. There Jesus says this, as the father has sent me, I am sending you, right? So, so in the same way that Jesus was sent into the world, he's sending his disciples into the world. In the same way that Jesus was sent into the world, he's sending us into the world. Now, now, when you hear that, maybe you're asking this question, sent to do what? Because that's an important question, right? Well, if we look at something Jesus said earlier in John 10, 10, he actually tells us. There we see that Jesus said he came into the world, or in other words, we could say he was sent into the world so that we could experience life. That, that's what Jesus wants for us, right? That, that was his mission. It was so that we could experience the abundant, joy-filled life that can only be found in him. And that life, that's what Jesus wants for the people who are all around us. This is why he's inviting us to live as those who've been sent to be a people who continue his mission, not only here in this world, but also here in Greeley. But that brings up another question. How? right? How, how, how do we actually do this? What does it actually look like to live as somebody who's sent? Well, that's what we're exploring together in this series as we look at five practices that when they're a part of our lives, when they're things that we engage in on a regular basis, when they're things we pursue, they're going to be things that empower us to continue Jesus's mission here in our world. So last week, uh, Pastor Alan, he talked about our first practice, which is this. It's seeing uh, people the way Jesus does through a compassionate lens of love. Now, now, if you missed that message, I really want to encourage you, find some time this next week to go back and to listen to it. Because everything that Pastor Alan talked about last week, it is the foundation for what it means to live as somebody who's sent. And if you don't get that foundation, right, that, that compassionate lens of love in which you see other people, none of this other stuff is even gonna matter, right? So take time, go back and listen to that. Well, today we're gonna be uh, exploring our second practice, which is a thing we're calling intentional proximity, right? And, and what I mean by intentional proximity is this, is that we are intentionally moving towards the people around us and looking for opportunities to build friendships with people who don't know Jesus, right? So let's, let's take a moment and actually look at how this played out in the life of Jesus. Now, if you were to read through the gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, you'd see this all across the place. But one of the things you're gonna notice if you read through these is that Jesus, uh, he, he didn't exactly fit the mold of what they thought a religious leader should be. 
right? And it wasn't because of how Jesus looked, right? He wasn't like walking around with tattoos and people are saying like, oh, that's not a religious leader. No, it wasn't, it wasn't about his appearance. It was actually because of the way he lived. In Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, there's this uh, phrase that the religious leaders used to describe Jesus. And I absolutely love it, right? They said this about Jesus. They said, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's pretty cool, right? I love that. But the thing is, back then, this wasn't actually intended as a compliment. It was intended as an insult. You see, if you were somebody who had a position of influence in that time, especially in the religious community, right? If you're a rabbi like Jesus, somebody that people looked up to like Jesus, the last thing that you'd want to be known as was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, And yet what we see all throughout the gospels is that Jesus wears this title as a badge of honor. Being a friend of tax collectors, being a friend of sinners, that that didn't bother Jesus at all, right? So, So why did they see him this way? What was it about the way that Jesus lived that made it clear to these religious leaders where his priorities actually were? Well, it was how he spent his time. And more specifically, it was who he spent his time with. In Mark 2, we see an example of this. Starting in verse 13, it says this, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. Right? So Jesus is doing what he often did. He was teaching the crowds. Right? He was saying things that nobody ever really said. He was doing things that people never really did. And the crowds, they were coming. There were a lot of people. Now, there was nothing scandalous about this. Right? You've got a group of people listening to a religious person talk. That was normal. But then it says this in the next verse. It says that he, this would be Jesus, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Right? So, so Jesus didn't just teach the tax collectors and sinners, right? He wasn't just like a religious person talking at a bunch of sinful people. Had he done that, nobody would have had an issue with what he did. In fact, the Pharisees themselves did that. The problem was that he spent time with these people, that he invested relationally in them, that he got to know them, that he shared his life with them, them, that he became their friend. The next verse says that when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see, they didn't like that Jesus was willing to step into the world of those who were different than them. That that he was willing to step into the world of people who were sinners. That he was willing to step into the world of people who are lost. But here, it's really important for us to remember why Jesus said he came. He came so that people could experience life. And how could a people who are lost ever experience life if there was always a gap between them and Jesus? How could these people ever experience life if they never actually had an opportunity to get to know Jesus? And how would they ever get to know Jesus if they never got to be around Jesus? This practice of intentional proximity, it's an invitation for us to live our lives in such a way 
that we are always looking for opportunities to connect with the people who are all around us, especially with the people who are far from God. It's an invitation to open our eyes and our hearts to the people that we encounter every day, to building friendships with them with the hope that one day they would experience this life that Jesus wants for them. This is the way that Jesus lived. You look at all of the gospels, you see time and time again that this is the thing that Jesus did. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, he's inviting us to live in the same way and to do the same thing, to be sent in the same way that he was sent. Right now, now the, the religious leaders, if you notice, they asked his disciples, why is he eating with them, right? They wanted to know, why is this something that, that Jesus was really intentional about? And, and you know, that's a really good question for us to ask as well. Why is this something that he's inviting us into, spending time with people who are far from God? Well, we actually find our answer in an interaction that Jesus had with another group of religious leaders in Luke 15. Right there, yet again, Jesus is teaching the crowds And again, the Pharisees get mad at him because of the people he's spending time with. Now, I love this about Jesus. He knows what they're thinking, right? Jesus is fully aware of the judgment that is in these religious leaders' hearts. And so he decides to address them with the story to tell them exactly why he's doing it. He says this in verse four of Luke 15. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Right, so, so what Jesus is doing here, he's using a parable, which is just a story. And, and a parable often has an image because there's this thing Jesus wants to communicate without actually saying it. Right, so here the images are that of a shepherd and sheep. And Jesus is saying this because he wants these Pharisees to understand his heart. So he says, okay, so if you've got a shepherd who's got a hundred sheep and one of them goes missing, what's he gonna do, right? Is he gonna sit back and say, you know what? Like I still have 99% of them. I'm doing pretty good. I only had like a 1% attrition rate. It's like, no, that's not what a shepherd's gonna do. A shepherd is gonna go after the one that's lost. Well, why? Well, that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd loves his sheep. A shepherd cares for his sheep. A shepherd protects his sheep. A shepherd doesn't just sit back hoping the lost sheep gets its act together and comes back to him. A good shepherd goes out and finds the sheep so that he can bring it back home. What Jesus is getting at here with this parable is that in the same way, a good shepherd is gonna go after a sheep that's lost, he's gonna go after people who are lost which means he can't just stay in the safe places like the synagogue or the temple or the religious communities with the people who appear to have it all together. He can't do that. He has to go after the lost people right where they are. And the reason he does this is because he loves the people who are lost. This is why he spends time with them. This is why he intentionally connects with them Jesus understands how a real friendship can help people experience the gospel in a powerful way. We actually see a really great example of Jesus doing this in Luke 19 when he encounters a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. Right, so to, to set the scene a little bit for you, Zacchaeus, um, when he heard that Jesus was coming through his town, 
uh, he, he climbed up a tree so that he could see this teacher who had been causing such a stir in Israel. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably know about this guy, right? Zacchaeus, apparently he was a little bit small. That's, what, what was the lyric? Zacchaeus, the wee little man, is he something like that, right? So he climbs up this tree and he's looking at Jesus because again, Jesus's reputation was all over Israel. He was saying things that hadn't been said. He was doing things that hadn't been done. People were just drawn to Jesus. So he's up in this tree and that's when we see Jesus living out this practice of intentional proximity. Starting in verse five, it says this. When Zacchaeus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, Jesus knew the kind of man that Zacchaeus was. I mean, everybody knew the kind of man that Zacchaeus was. To be a a tax collector, that meant you had a certain reputation. You weren't a good person. You were a thief. You were somebody who robbed your own people, right? This is the kind of person that the religious leaders wanted you to avoid. Zacchaeus was not a good guy. But that didn't stop Jesus from turning towards him. When he saw Zacchaeus, he told him to get down from the tree and then he invited himself over for dinner. And I just love that about Jesus, right? He's, he's not worried about etiquette. He's like, I'm, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. And he does this and then he spent time with him and they shared a meal together. Now, there's something powerful that happens when you share a meal with someone like Jesus did here. Uh, last week, I had lunch with a guy I'd known for the last five years, but hadn't really had an opportunity to get to know yet. I mean, I... I knew who he was, I knew his family, I knew what he did for a living, but I didn't really know him. But as we sat together and ate barbecue sandwiches over at Georgia Boys, we had a chance to talk. We got to talk about the challenges of parenting teenagers. We're both in that world now. Me as of today, my oldest just turned 13, so pray for me. She's a girl, so maybe pray for me twice. Um, but, but we got to talk about that. We got to share some of the ways that we've been growing and just how like our thoughts and views on life have shifted as we've gotten older. We got to talk about some of the things that we're excited about in the future. Man, I, I walked away from that lunch, not only knowing more about this guy, but honestly feeling like I was starting to build a friendship with him. And I know that without that meal, Right, without that table we were sitting around, without that time carved out to just really be able to focus on him, none of those things would have happened. Something significant happens when you take the time to sit down and eat a meal with another person. It opens the doors for a friendship to begin to develop. And when a friendship begins to develop, that's when you get to have real conversations. And when you get to have real conversations, that's when we start to see Jesus show up in some pretty profound, radical ways. And we see that happen here between Zacchaeus and Jesus. After they'd eaten and spent time together, which I'm sure included conversations, right? Because you you don't just sit and eat in silence. That's really awkward. And and we know Jesus, like he just, he loved to talk to people. I'm sure they talked about Zacchaeus. I'm sure he talked about his hopes and his dreams and his fears. I'm sure Jesus had an opportunity to, to share his heart for Zacchaeus. And we see what happened after this conversation. The next verse tells us, it says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Right, when Jesus moved towards Zacchaeus, when he was willing to step into the home of a tax collector, when he was willing to be his friend, to share a meal with him, it showed him that Jesus really cared about him. And when he knew that Jesus really cared about him, it made his heart more receptive to hear the things that Jesus was saying. And when he could truly hear the things that Jesus was saying, it changed everything for him. Relational connections like this one, they are powerful. They literally have the ability to change lives. And yet sometimes, because we're not thinking about these relational connections and what they can do, sometimes in our lives we miss the opportunities that are right in front of us. Think for a moment about the interactions you have with people on a typical day. I think about the barista at the coffee shop you go to or the neighbor who lives across the street. Think about the cashier at the gas station, the coworker you sit next to. And just ask yourself, am I being intentional in the way that I engage them? Am I, am I turning towards them? Am I trying to get to know them and their story? Am I looking for opportunities to connect? You know, when I, when I think about my life, sometimes the answer to those questions is yes, right? Sometimes I am intentionally trying to connect with the people around me. Sometimes I am moving towards people. But if I'm honest, more often, the answer to that question is actually no. And the reason I'm not intentional in how I connect with people is because honestly, sometimes living this way, it can be a little inconvenient. Sometimes living this way can be a little hard, right? Sometimes there's fear involved or, or sometimes it's just like the awkwardness of the whole thing. But when I look at Jesus, when I look at the way he lived, when I look at the way he moved towards people, I don't see him letting any of those things dictate the way he responds, right? If, if you read that story of his interaction with, with Zacchaeus from the beginning, you see that Jesus was actually going somewhere else when this encounter happened, meaning he had somewhere else that he had to be. But when he saw Zacchaeus, he allowed his plans to be disrupted, Right, when he saw Zacchaeus, he allowed himself to be inconvenienced for Zacchaeus' sake. Uh, there's a sociologist by the name of Robert Putnam who wrote a book a number of years ago called Bowling Alone. And, and in this book, he, he looks at how in the past couple decades in the United States, there's been this massive move away from what he would call meaningful relational connections between people who are different from one another. Right? And those, those differences are generational, they're, they're cultural, they're spiritual, they're racial, they're economic, right? stuff like that. Now, there, there's a lot of fascinating things in this book because he talks about how this has actually like hurt us as a society and it's really just kind of messed up the whole mental health thing for younger people. But the thing that I found most fascinating in this book was this. Putnam found that the lack of meaningful relational connections between people who are different is actually impacting the ability of churches 
which is just another way of saying followers of Jesus, but it's impacting the ability of churches to make a difference and a meaningful impact in their communities. And that's because instead of being in the world and making an impact through the relationships that they have with people who are different from them, a lot of followers of Jesus have actually decided to withdraw from the world and retreat to the safety and the comfort of the church. And as a result, most of the meaningful relationships that people have who are followers of Jesus are actually with other people who believe, think, and act just like they do. But the invitation of Jesus for us as ones who are sent is not to be a people who retreat from the world, but it's actually to be a people who go out into the world, to live a life that is marked by intentionality in the way that we engage people, in the way that we turn towards people, with being okay with the disruptions and the inconveniences that happen because we know that the heart of the shepherd is actually turned towards the lost. And we know that the only way they're gonna experience life is through a relationship with somebody who can point them towards Jesus. Now, the whole goal of this intentional proximity practice, it's not to add a bunch of new things that you have to do in order to build meaningful relationships with people. Because let's just be honest, sometimes you do a series like this, that's the fear. It's like, oh, great. Like I'm going to get guilted into a bunch of new things I have to do. I'm going to be given this big, long list of things I've got to accomplish this next week. That's not the goal. That's not what we want to do at all. Instead, what we want to do is to invite you to look at the things that you're already doing and ask yourself this question, how can I live with intentionality in this space? How can I turn towards the people that I'm already interacting with? Where can I build friendships with people in my life who are far from God? How do I take the things that I'm already doing and the relationships that I already have and add a kingdom purpose to them? So there's four areas I think all of us are already living that Jesus is inviting us to be intentional about when it comes to turning towards the people we encounter and building relationships with them. Now, as we talk about these different areas, I'm gonna share some ideas of what it could look like for you to live intentionally in these spaces. Uh, But again, remember, the goal is not for you to do all of these things. It's just to inspire you, to get you dreaming about what God might wanna do through you. But having said that, If there are some things in here that you're like, man, I could do that. That's great. Like, that's easy. Write it down and then come back to it maybe later tonight or tomorrow and start to ask the Lord what he'd want you to do with that. All right, so we got four areas Jesus is inviting us into. The first is this. It's living intentionally where we go. Now, all of us have places we have to go all the time, right? Maybe some of these are like daily, some of these are weekly, but think about these types of places. You got got gas stations, grocery stores, where we work, where we go to school. Now, for a lot of us, when it, when it comes to these places, for the most part, we're thinking about how we can get this, th- this thing done as fast as possible with the least amount of effort and distraction, right? In other words, it is all about efficiency. We want to get in, we want to get out. But what would happen if we stepped into those places looking for opportunities to intentionally connect with people, to intentionally build relationships with people. Well, suddenly all of those mundane tasks, those happenstance interactions, well, they've got purpose now. They've got a kingdom purpose. 
So here's some practical ideas for how you can do this. Maybe instead of doing a target pickup, you go inside. Don't rush. Interact with the people around you. You might have some people speeding around you in some of these you know, aisles you're in, but like, what if you took the time to just notice where you were and to engage the people who are around you? Instead of doing DoorDash, maybe go to a restaurant. Talk to the waiter, get to know them, ask them how they're doing. Leave a good tip. Instead of doing a, a drive through at the coffee shop, maybe grab a book and go and sit inside. And when things are slow, just begin to interact with the baristas. Ask them if this is what they always want to do, right? Get to know some of their hopes and their dreams. Instead of paying for gas outside at the pump, maybe, maybe go inside. Get to know the cashier who's working back there. Start to slowly build a relationship. If you're at work and you get interrupted by somebody, instead of doing the thing we all do, which is, you know, oh, I got a really important phone call I got to make right now, maybe actually take the time to talk to them. Invite them to go out and grab lunch. You know, I know some of these things can be hard at times, for some of us even a little bit scary. Sometimes it seems like, what's this really going to do? But, man, there are these other times where when we just show up where we are, like some really beautiful things happen. Uh, last weekend, I actually got to see Tim Stites, who is our loop pastor, do this so well. Uh, we were at the Greeley Mall for an event for the loop. And if you don't know what the loop is, it's our ministry to the fifth and sixth grade kids. Like every month they do a big fun event. And so there were like 60 fifth and sixth grade kids at the mall. And Tim was responsible for all of it. So he had gotten like all these kids checked in. It's absolute chaos. And he's standing out front basically to make sure kids don't run away. And as he's standing out there, there's a mom who walks by with her looks like middle school daughter. Now, most of us in that situation, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to think about all the stuff we have to do. Like, oh, I've got to manage all these kids. I got to make sure none run away. I got to like, you know, uh, just focus on doing my job. But that's not what Tim did. He saw them and he chose to engage them and he started talking with them. And then he invited this girl to come in and join us, right? She had no idea what the loop is, no idea what Christ Community Church is, but she came And then Tim stayed out there and kept talking to the mom for a little bit and came to find out that they had just moved to the area and that this girl was just trying to step out there and to begin to make friends. And for her to be invited into this thing, to be welcomed by a group of 65th and 6th graders who just treated her like she was one of their friends, like that meant the world not only to the girl, but to her mom. And it all happened because Tim was being intentional in the place that he was. Friends, these same kind of opportunities, they're all around us. We just have to look for them. The second area where I think Jesus is inviting us to be intentional is this. It's where we live. All right, so do me a favor. Think about your neighborhood for a moment. Do you know the people who live next to you? Do you know their names? Do you know their stories? Do you know how many kids they have? What about pets? Because apparently some people call their pets their kids. I got five kids. So when people do that to me, I'm like, oh, I don't know, it's a little weird. But like, do you know them? Do you know anything about them? Do you even know if they follow Jesus? Now, look, there's no shame if you don't right now, but just think about this. How would it look like if you did, right? Like how different could your experience be in your neighborhood, in your community, in your dorm room, in your apartment complex, if you were actually relationally connected to the people who lived right around you? How different could their experience be? 
Here's something you could do if you want to get to know your neighbors. Start taking walks around your neighborhood. And as you walk, go, go slow. T- take time to pray for your neighborhood. Take time to pray for your neighbors. Pay attention to what God is doing. Right? If there's somebody who's outside, maybe stop and talk with them. Ask them how they're doing. If you don't know one of your neighbors, maybe they just moved in or you've just never actually gotten an opportunity to connect with them, go up and introduce yourself to them. Maybe invite them over for dinner. Heck, throw a barbecue and invite the whole block so you can get to know each other. Practicing hospitality, which includes inviting people over, cooking for them, entertaining them, it is one of the best ways to get to know somebody. Another way you can get to know your neighbors is to look for practical ways to serve them. Right, the way I got to know one of my neighbors, uh, it was because of yard work. Right, a couple years ago, I bought a dethatcher for my lawn, and I was really excited about it. That's apparently my life now. I get excited about tools. Um, it, don't judge me, all right? I'm a dad. But, but when I, I saw him one day, he was out there. He was doing work on his lawn. He was getting ready for, for summer, right? You know, the snow, it all just melted. And so I went over, and guess what I started talking to him about? My new dethatcher. I was really excited, and guess what? He got excited too. And then he asked me if he could borrow it. I know, I know, this is what dads do. So I I grabbed it, I took it over. And then, you know, for like the next 20, 30 minutes, I showed him how to use it. And as I showed him how to use it, I just talked to him. I just got to know him. And over the past few years, that's become a pretty cool friendship that's been developing, right? I, I don't know where that friendship goes. I don't know what it leads to, but I know the door is opening. See, being intentional where you live, it creates opportunities for relationships to develop. And relationships lead to conversations and conversations, and that leads to beautiful gospel stuff happening in people's lives. The uh, third area that Jesus is inviting us to live intentionally is this. It's, um, it's in what we enjoy. All right, now, beyond our day-to-day tasks and things that happen at home, we all have things we love to do, Right? Some of us, we love to golf. Some of us love to hike. Some of us love to go to the gym. Why not look for ways to intentionally connect with people when we're doing the things we already enjoy doing, right? It, it takes a hobby and it gives it a kingdom purpose. So, so maybe if, you know, you work out at the family funplex every day at 5 p.m., maybe you start paying attention to the people who are there at 5 p.m. Because the one thing I've noticed is that people are creatures of habit when it comes to the gym. They go at the same time every day. So maybe, maybe you could pop the headphones out and just get to know people, talk to them, share a little bit of your story. Maybe you could find a, a local hiking group and, and join it, you know, get to know the people as you guys are climbing 14ers. Maybe you could join a, a running club. And if you're like anti-exercise, like go find a book club, join a book club. Join one of the sports teams that that the Greeley Recreation Center runs every year. I mean, there are so many ways to get connected. You know, one of of my hobbies, um, and this is going to sound really weird, but it's uh, trading stocks. And when I first told my kids about this, they thought I said trading socks. And they're like, Dad, that's gross. Why would you do that? But it's not not that. Um, And look, I don't know why I like it. It's like literally one of the most stressful jobs for the people who have it. But then again, so is being a pastor. So I think I have a a type. But like, I I just really enjoy it. It's fun, right? Well, over the past couple of years, I've gotten connected with a group of guys who also are really into it. And we've gotten to know each other. And that kind of led us to communicating more. And eventually we created this uh, thing called a Discord, which is like a private chat room, just so we can continue to talk. 
And over the last few years, as we've gotten to know each other, this, uh, these friendships we've had have, have evolved. We don't just talk about financial stuff anymore. We talk about life. We talk about our beliefs. We talk about the things we're excited about. We talk about what's happening in our lives. Like last year, when my daughter ended up in the hospital for <laughs> the better part of a month, these guys were texting me and calling me every day. They've really become friends. And like, here's the really beautiful thing. Many of these guys who are part of this thing with me, they've had hard things that have happened too. And because they've known that I've been their friend and that I'm there for them, they've come to me for advice. They've come to me for prayer. They've come to me just saying like, hey, what do I do? And man, these relationships, they all started with a shared interest. So do the things you do Just find a way to build relationships with people as you do it. Add a kingdom purpose to it. This brings us up to our our final area, the fourth area, and that's being intentional with the needs that we're drawn to. It's no secret, there are so many needs around us in our world today. And and a lot of times, our initial response to helping meet a need is, is financial. Right? And that's important. It really is. But there's also this invitation we have to relationally move towards need. Right? Honestly, this is why we love working with Compassion International as a church. Because not only are we partnering financially to help raise a kid up out of poverty, we're also partnering with them relationally through the letters that we get to write back and forth through building a relationship with these kids. When I was in the Dominican with Compassion, uh, probably about a month and a half ago, we had an opportunity to meet with uh, some kids who had grown up in the Compassion program, and each one of them brought a binder. And in that binder was all of the letters that their sponsor had sent to them. It was one of their most treasured and prized possessions, right? Relationships like that, they They matter. When we move towards people, it has this ability to impact us. And so for you, maybe this could be stepping into the life of a kid and family through being a kid's hope mentor over at Maplewood. Maybe this could be uh, putting together some kits to take out to the homeless in our city and spending time just sitting there getting to know them. Or maybe this could be volunteering to be a navigator at the resource pop-up events that happen down at Zoe's and getting to know the families as you do this. And by the way, that last one, if you wanna do that, we do have a need for that this coming Saturday. So you can find information in your bulletin about that. But friends, when we're intentional about relationally moving towards the needs we're drawn to, it has a significant and profound impact on not only the people we're serving, but also on us. I saw this firsthand with a couple friends of mine in college. Every Tuesday and Thursday, they'd go to this park in Pasadena, California with a little grill and a bunch of hot dogs. And they went to this park because they knew there were a lot of homeless people who lived there and they just wanted to feed them, right? So when they started going to this park, they had maybe three or four people who came. They ate the food and then they left. But my friends kept showing up week after week. And after a few months of doing this, they had 25 people coming each time. But, but they wouldn't just come eat and leave. They would actually eat and stay. And what my friends found out is that the homeless weren't coming because of the food, because honestly, Walmart hot dogs aren't that great. Um, and there were other organizations out there feeding them much better food. They were coming because they said that my friends 
were their friends. See, when they were around them, they didn't feel like they were a project, which is how a lot of the other groups made them feel. They felt like people. They felt seen. For almost two years, every Tuesday and Thursday, my friends would spend hours at the park with their homeless friends eating. Well, after a a while, um, one of my friends had to move out of state. And when he told his homeless friends about it, um, you know, they, they kind of hatched this plan in their head. When he showed up on that, that last Thursday to feed them one last time, he didn't find 25 people waiting to be fed. He found 25 people who had prepared a meal for him. And in that time, they told him how loved they felt by him, how seen they felt by him, how cared for they felt by him, how they saw Jesus in him. They threw him a goodbye party. Man, isn't that beautiful? The relationships that were developed as my friends moved towards a need, and more specifically towards the people who had a need, it had a huge impact on them. It changed the way they saw people. It changed the way they saw homelessness. And it changed the people they were serving each week. There are so many creative ways for us to move towards people in need in these four areas in our lives, right? Where where we go, where we live, what we enjoy, a need we're drawn to. The opportunities are all around us. We've got a video we want to show you of a couple in our church. Uh, Their names are Scott and Lisa, and they found a pretty cool way to relationally move towards their neighbors for the last several years. Check it out. Well, my name is Scott C. and this is my wife, Lisa. I work for uh, Colorado State University. I'm actually a fire alarm technician, and my wife runs a home daycare. We have a great neighborhood. We have a great block. Um, we have had block parties where we've organized, and it's, it's no, nothing big deal. It's just in our front yard. People bring potluck, and it's just a time for everybody to catch up with everybody, all our busy schedules, just to check in and see how you're doing. Um, It's getting bigger and bigger. We're getting more people coming and participating. And it's just a great time. You know that you're being looked out for. You know you got each other's back when you need it. One Thanksgiving, we're putting up our Christmas lights and it was gonna snow the next day. And our neighbor, he puts a lot of lights up and he had had some medical issues and it got cold and it was a Sunday. I mean, I go, Lisa goes, why don't we go help him? We got all of his Christmas up. We had another neighbor come up and put his lights on the house for him. We had an assembly line kind yeah, of going. The neighbor who, he's afraid of heights, doesn't like heights, got on his roof and put all of his lights up on the roof for him. I mean, that's the type of neighborhood we have. I think what, there was probably four, four or five neighbors who came in, just yeah. gave him a hand getting it all up for that day. So he didn't have to do it in the snowstorm the next day or all that next week. My next door neighbor has become my best friend. Gets me teary eyed (laughs) because I love her. I really do. She had COVID really bad. And like we would go buy groceries for her, whatever it took. To us, it's it's not a big deal. We're going to the grocery store anyways. We're making an extra meal. It, It didn't hurt to put it on her doorstep. To us, it wasn't a big deal, but to her, it was everything. And Afterwards, 
she has told me how much it meant to her because she had family members that didn't come, that didn't live too far away. I just didn't realize how little my actions were to how big it was for her. I think just showing each other that you care, that's, it boils down to that. You care about them. And in any way that we can show them that we care, whether it be snow removal, bringing a meal, gift cards, whatever, saying hi, just talking, we just want our neighbors to know that we care and we love them. It, it, that's how it just boils down to. We care about you, we love you, but we're always reciprocating. And if God is using us to reach them, we want to be obedient to it. I mean, you don't have to do a lot. I mean, big things for people, just little things, and they'll appreciate what you do for them. For me, I can go introduce myself to anybody and just say conversation. I am not that way. I have to psych myself out, but after that awkwardness has passed, I, met, I have a lifelong best friend now, my neighbor. And it's so worth it. And that's what keeps me going and doing it again and again. Another neighbor will be moving in yep. and I'll be bringing another store-bought dessert. <laughs> and what I love about Scott and Lisa's story is that what they're doing, right, it's so simple. It doesn't really add a lot to their plate. It's, it's not a burden. They're just being good neighbors, getting to know the people who are right around them, practicing hospitality as they care for others. And it's making an impact where they live. Right? People know they're loved and cared for because Scott and Lisa have chosen to be intentional right where they are. Could you imagine what would happen if we all started to live like this where we are? If we dreamed about how God could use us where we go and where we live and with what we enjoy and with the needs that we're drawn to. And not only if we dreamed about it, but we actually stepped into it. What could God do with that? Let's pray. To begin in the quietness of your own heart, I want to invite you to ask the Lord to show you where you're at with this whole concept of intentional proximity. Right? If there's something that needs to change in your heart or in your priorities when it comes to how you pursue the people who are around you, would you ask the Spirit to show that to you? If there's fear that's holding you back, would you ask the Spirit to strengthen you? And if it's something else, Invite him to reveal that to you. Jesus, one of the things that we see in your life is that nobody was ever an inconvenience to you. 
You're willing to drop anything to connect with the people who are around you so that you could offer them hope and life so that they could know they were loved. Take a moment and ask the Spirit to show you if there is anyone in your life right now that he's wanting you to pursue a relationship with, to connect with intentionally. Maybe, maybe it's someone in your neighborhood or someone from work or at your school, right? Where, wherever you are, ask the Spirit to bring to mind a person he wants you to turn towards this week and pray for an opportunity to do that. Jesus, when we were lost, you came and found us. You moved towards us and you did this so that we could experience hope, so that we could experience life. Jesus, thank you for being faithful to your mission. We wanna live as you've called us to live. We wanna live as a people who have been sent just like you were sent to continue your mission of bringing hope to people so that the people around us could experience the life you want for them. Jesus, would you open our eyes to the opportunities that are all around us? And would you give us a heart to step into those places and to pursue the people that you care so much about? pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, so wherever you are at coming out of this message, which this is a fun new series that we're in, um, but if you want to talk, if you want prayer, um, we are here for you and we would love to connect with you. You can go onto our website, click the chat button. There is always somebody there available to talk with you. So also, again, be sure to like and subscribe so that you know when more content comes out.